Hello and welcome back to another episode of Faking Injuries. We're back to talk one of our favorite aspects of this sport, and that's the transfer window. For the novices among us that might be listening, one of the core reasons we love European and world soccer is because instead of trades where you trade player for player or player and draft picks for player, everything is done in a unilateral way where if you want to acquire a player, you pay money and you buy them. If another team wants one of your players, you can cash in and sell them. So that's what makes this game cool from a financial perspective to nerds at the bottom of the financial ladder like us is who's making money outside of their other sources of revenue through player trading. There's two windows where this trading can happen. That's in the summer, the big window, but then mid-season as teams are trying to improve on their position or have opportunities to make money on selling players. That's what January is all about. And though we're early in the window, it's time to run down some early deals we've seen, make some suggestions where we might, and just call out other little tidbits that we've seen throughout the window. How's that sound, Charlie? Sounds perfect, Noah. I do love January window because it feels like, although there's a lot less action going on in the summer transfer window, where teams are completely reshaping their identity, in January, it's always the top clubs who are trying to push for a title or top four and the bottom clubs that are really trying to fight off that relegation. Those are the two big spenders in January. The guys in the middle don't really make a lot of moves, but the teams that are pushing to stay in the league and teams that are pushing for the title like Arsenal are the big spenders. So it can completely change the second half of the season, which is why it's fascinating to me. Exactly. And for me, if I had to pick one of those two categories, it's definitely the people at the bottom saying, get me the fuck out of here, yo. <laughs> Give me one or two players that can really have a high leverage impact. That's what we see categorizing the business done in January. We've got a few teams here that we've kind of profiled, just some early moves, as well as maybe some integration of past transfers that we've seen recently. Run down some of the themes that you've been taking note of. Yeah, despite what I just said earlier about the middle of the pack teams doing the least. In terms of early January, they've been doing the most so far. <laughs> and Brighton and Brentford, these type of teams, they're always active in any transfer window, picking up small pieces for a little bit of money. So let's start with our favorite team, Brighton. Brighton's first big signing was Facundo Buenanote, an Argentinian star from Rosario Central, which is kind of a dope name, by the way. Yeah, no, checks out. So they signed him for six mil, which is, you know, not pocket change for them. He's an 18-year-old attacking midfielder, and I don't know a lot about him, but we just trust Brighton's recruitment. They've been doing this money ball style recruitment, using the data. He just seems like Alexis McAllister five years ago, right? So he's going to instantly get integrated, which is why we always appreciate Brighton, right? Because they signed before they need it, not after. What I also like about this, agreed, they're building on not only the Argentinian connection, but Tony Blumenko are really building out quite a niche and reputation for sound recruitment in South America, right? Moises Caicedo, who's going to go in the next 18 months for conservatively over 55 million pounds. Julio Enciso, winger from Paraguay. He's already starting to contribute and is a skillful attacker that's going to be sold at more than a 3x multiple. 
And then, of course, McAllister. So they're going back to the well here, and it only helps them when the next, maybe even a bit better, more prodigious prospect comes up in South America where you can say, you come to us, you don't need to go to another non-Big Five league to get the step. You'll immediately slot into the Premier League where you're then only one move away from whatever huge club you have aspirations for. And I also like the trend of Argentinian midfielders. Obviously, we've seen Enzo rumored for $100 million from Benfica. This is a time now if we're looking for scams, right? All these cryptocurrency coins, that trend is done. Get your hand on a young Argentinian midfielder. I mean, we talked about buying a Georgian club, right? We might need to just repatriate some of our Georgian prospects, send them to Argentina, immediately get 10 times more money for them because there is a land grab going on right now. Yeah, and this is why Brighton's an interesting team to follow because unlike a lot of teams in the Premier League where you can guess where they're going to buy from. They're going to buy from the Bundesliga, from Liga, from the Championship. Brighton will buy from anywhere. You know, they'll buy from Rosario Central, where I'm sure they have scouts just doing deep recruitment on who the next Argentinian star is. So I like that they're buying from an undervalued league that's now becoming more and more highly valued, but also a region that's getting the attention it deserves after Argentina's win. But let's move on to what really struck my heartstrings. Yes, I had a bit of a hard time letting you call Argentina undervalued. I I think it holds, but when you move to this next league, this is the meat and potatoes of undervalued, pun intended. Emphasis on the potatoes, yeah. We're talking Ireland because they are shopping there now. At first glance, you're like, that seems odd. Ireland's never been a particularly good league, not a good national team, but they have this guy named Evan Ferguson who came through the academy He's my new favorite player because he's a rare breed, right? An Irish wonder kid. That does not come around every day. Wow, this isn't Gaelic football, folks. This is football football. Yeah, you definitely don't see that every day. But he has my full support, my full seal of approval. (laughs) (laughs) He has started two games already, and he just looked confident for a 17-year-old striker starting above Leandro Trussard, right? Scored a goal, had an assist in his debut. Scored another goal in the FA Cup, yeah. I think. I think it was FA or EFL. I can't remember which one. But they're thinking very highly of this kid and already working him into the team. So after they figured out Ireland might be a good place to shop more, they decided to buy this guy, Jamie Mullins. Signed on loan from Bohemian FC, a club we would love to buy in the future. But he's an 18-year-old midfielder. We obviously know nothing about him. And his market value on <laughs> FootMob is 10K. So the Danish gods who built that app clearly don't know him either. So you're telling me instead of buying the car I leased, I could have bought Jamie Mullins. Yes, exactly. Wow. It feels like they might be going a little too hard on the Irish contingent too quick, you know, just because their Irish Academy boys scored a goal. Maybe they're dipping their toe in a little too much, but it's only on loan with the option to buy, I believe. So I think they're just trying to find the new Roy Keane to accommodate their potato eating striker. But I don't know what's going on in Ireland. Is there a famine? Why is there this big movement to Brighton now? Big exodus from Ireland usually spell broader macroeconomic issues. But good for us. It's just Tony Bloom continuing to be smart about his recruitment, right? Because, hey, for every 6 to $12 million acquisition you buy, go get the homie for 10 to 100 a couple hundred K, right? You can swing and miss at a lot more of those. And if you get one loaded potato loving motherfucker that contributes in the premier league that's going to do wonders so i really like it i have a theory that tony bloom was just in ireland 
monitoring one of his shell companies he has headquartered there for tax reasons and just walked by a pitch of a Bohemian FC game going on with 5,000 fans, probably more, but and was like, oh, let's sign this Jamie Mullins kid. He looks good as he's checking in with his tax accountant on how to avoid all of the taxes he can. I think that's how this came to be. It was more so just the most tax efficient thing to do. They're like, hey, Tony, you're looking at a fat tax liability in Dublin. But if you buy the IRS's son, Jamie Mullins, yeah. they'll look the other way. So well done. I mean, Tony Bloom is the star lizard. Add it again. Should we move to another club? which is connected to Tony Bloom. It's owned by his former business associate, Matthew Benham, who's gone on to do other things outside of the smart betting market. And that's buying Brentford and Michelin. You've been paying attention to Brentford, some of the business they've been doing. What do you want to call out here? Yeah, the big one was they signed Kevin Schada or Schotter. Schada. Schada. They signed the German winger from Freiburg on loan with an obligation to buy for 25 mil obligation not an option wow. so this is a pretty big fee for the club i think it broke their record of keen lewis potter over the summer like we do with brighton we just always trust brentford and their data science teams in situations like this because he just must be an incredible undervalued player when you look at the stats nothing really pops his numbers aren't great he only has one goal and one start this year four goals and one assist in seven starts last year so not bad in limited minutes but Clearly, they're seeing something maybe we aren't because he doesn't pop from those perspectives, but he's a 21-year-old German winger, he plays for the U21 team, and he's a Freiburg Academy boy. So those are all good boxes to tick. And he does resemble DeMar DeRozan with a Leroy Sané haircut, or trim, I should say. No, he's definitely got the look of a player who could burst on the scene. You know, I don't think it gets talked about enough, but there's definitely a bias or maybe just a slight premium on the absolute sex icons among top class footballers, right? If this dude pops off for Brentford, gets sold for 40 plus, there's gonna be an extra five to 10 million for that sponsorship deal you can do with Giorgio Armani, right? Because you know he smells good. Yeah. I'm just wondering how he fits in because it seems like this could be a purchase because they might see Tony being out for longer. So they need some more depth with the Embuomo, Wisa. Keen Lewis Potter rotation on the wings and up top. Yeah, I see him more as an ostensible replacement for Brian and Bomo, who I've always had a soft spot for, seems to have always underperformed XG, popped. He, he's the, had a great year, though. Yeah. You know, but even in years past, like I think he led the league last year and times hit the crossbar, or the yeah. woodwork. So he's always looked good, left footed, right winger. So he could be depth there, but always buy him before you sell him. Right, because you could see Tony and Mbomo leaving the club in the next two years because yep. their talent's probably above Brentford's current level. Definitely. Moving on, though, to another signing, I would say arguably a more important signing for Ooh. the global brand of Brentford, Romeo Beckham, the son of David Beckham and Victoria from the Spice Girls. He just joined the Brentford B team on loan. So I don't know if you know this, but Brentford, part of their model, they don't do academy right they just decided a while back it's better to have a b team of you know professionals journeymen elsewhere that you can give a shot than the whole investment in the infrastructure of an academy which big expense yeah big expense but romeo is joining the b team on loan from his daddy's team inter miami to the reserve team but he had a pretty good 
campaign last time out. I believe two goals, 10 assists. I'm sure they've got the Beckham boy on set pieces there playing in the NXT league in the MLS. This is big. And the age old question, I believe of, Oh, Romeo, where art thou can finally be answered. He's at Brentford. Wow. Way to bring Shakespeare into this. <laughs> I got a quick question. Is it a loan to buy or what's the deal structure? Cause it seems weird inter Miami loaning a player to Brentford, if you know what I mean. Well, that's kind of how the B team is operated, though. They're like, we'll take in anyone on trials because if we get one or two guys to break into the senior team, that's what they exist for. But right. I think it's more of a loan with, you're welcome. This is a fucking favor. Yes. That's how I'd categorize it. Okay. It seems more that way because if they have no equity in the player, then like they don't really have any incentive to actually play him on the B team, right? Versus players that they're owning and hope they can appreciate in value. Yeah, there's probably an option to buy, but I don't think people cared about the finer details. They were like, hey, I'm a sports blogger, and this is nice because yeah. people know who David Beckham is. David and Beckham's his son, son just came to England. And his name is Romeo. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got some certified drip to him. I think he's probably, in my limited understanding of the Beckham family dynamics, he seems to be the sensitive one, mm. but... Based on those 10 assists, it looks like he really lets his creativity speak for himself. So Absolutely. Going along with just Brentford in general and, and keeping with the transfer theme, do you have any other ideas of maybe what they need? I mean, they're in a good spot. They're going to finish probably in the 8 to 12 range and have a really strong season again. Any other ideas you have? Any pitches you would, you would place to Matthew Benham? Yeah, so you know how young quarterbacks in the NFL, American football, the worst football, They often will get drafted in situations to come learn under the older veteran quarterback, right? Aaron Rodgers, for example, under Brett Favre. I want to see Brentford doing that because I don't think they appreciate for all of their understanding of data analytics and how they think they know the true value of players. Ben Mee, the center back from Burnley, another human embodiment of Brexit, One of a kind. One of a kind. Just gives his absolute all. And he's a left footer. Brentford needs to bring in some young, cheap center back from the EFL, a.k.a. the leagues below the Premier League in England, to come learn from old faithful Ben Mee. This guy has obviously mastered the dark arts, knows how to use his brain as a vessel for CTE. And that's what Brentford want, right? I know I said they should get someone young from the EFL, but for some reason I thought maybe Nat Phillips from Liverpool would be the perfect understudy. <laughs> <laughs> At 28 years old. And, and I think 25, but I feel like he would really be an open learner. What about uh, your boy, Nigel Longwick? Yeah. yeah. I think he could be another great candidate. We'll see if Wolves want to pry their hands from what I think is a truly amazing center back, but... Just something to keep an eye out for. I would be trialing, you know, if David Beckham has any young center back sons, get them working with Ben Mee because he's got a lot to show aspiring cheap defenders. Yep. I I like that analogy with the QBs. I think (laughs) we we need to get someone in here. (laughs) Despite what I said earlier, those are the two teams in the middle of the table we've decided to highlight so far this January. We're going to do an update again in the future because there's a lot more to come, but just the two teams that caught our eye early, as they do pretty much every transfer window, Brighton and Brentford. But let's take it elsewhere. I think we wanted to give a little MLS love. Two episodes in a row. This is uncharacteristic of us, so don't expect this in the future. No, don't. And Charlie, don't be so hard on yourself, right? Sure, we focus on the middle of the table, but it's the first of 
at least three episodes we'll do on the January transfer window. So keep your head up, kid. MLS, though. We're forcing ourselves to respect the MLS more. It's hard to do, like taking cold showers to stimulate norepinephrine and be less depressed. We're forcing ourselves to do it. So let's give them kudos because, frankly, this is their primary offseason in the January window, and they've been making moves. Let's start with the Montreal Impact in particular. The first one, Ismail Kone. He's a 19-year-old lanky midfielder moving to Watford for about 8 million euro. This dude really passes the eye test. Like 6'2", commanding, keeps the ball close to him like a young Paul Pogba almost. If he can pick up, get good game time at Watford, also capable of playing a little bit further forward, already solidified himself, not in a starting role yet, but as a member of the bench on the Canadian national team, I'm really fucking bullish on him. Again, he just really passes the eye test, and if he gets kicking along, I think he could move to a bigger club easily. So this is one to note. And another move, an American this time, so we can care a little bit more. But Jordi Mihailovic, an attacking mid, playing for the Impact Montreal. Joining Azed Alkmar, remember, it's Zed in Europe, <laughs> not Z. Moving to the Netherlands for about 6 million euros, which again, for exports from MLS clubs, that's not an insignificant amount of money. I'm excited because... I haven't seen him play too much, but just from a statistical perspective, he's always been among the MLS leaders in goals and assists. I think more on the assist side. But finally, getting set up in Europe has potential to play his way into the U.S. men's national team lineup, maybe taking the place of Gio Reyna if he becomes an outcast. But um, also fun fact, Azed, you will know, are minority owned by the protagonist in the Moneyball book and movie. Billy Bean, the data analyst himself. So we're excited to see Billy Bean and co. put Mihailovic to work and maybe see him pop up in more U.S. men's national team camps. Yeah, I think it's just a good excuse for us to watch more Azed games. I'm pronouncing it the British way. Because we also want to see Milos Korkaz, our young Hungarian left back. I know I haven't watched as much of either of these guys as you have, but Pretty impressive for any MLS club to have two pretty massive sales. Just two players, 15 million euros generated instantly. I mean, that's that's what small Premier League clubs can generate sometimes, you know? Yeah, and especially if you look outside of England, the Premier League, like whole Bundesliga clubs would be happy yeah. sometimes with $15 million in sales. A lot of and, money to play with. And this just further can support a general MLS trend of, right, take those 50 million euros and go to maybe slightly undervalued leagues in South America, Mexico, fringe leagues in Europe, like Croatia. We've seen that. Um, But go get yourself a 20-year-old young Colombian like Real Salt Lake have just done. That's what you do. And they cost about maybe 2 million euros. Exactly. You spread that money out that you got for two players on, let's say, five or six. And then you get a, a bunch of gambles that may or may not work out. But if one does, like then you might have the next guy you can sell for 8 to 10 mil. Exactly. So overall, can't say enough. Great business from Montreal. But let's talk about another MLS transfer. This one was inbound, but a player we had been tracking in Europe, I would call this a coup because we thought he was slotted to get a big transfer within Europe, but uh-uh, we've repatriated him. He's a pseudo-American now. Talk to us about Evander. Yeah, Evander Ferreira finally gets his move from Mitchland. 
which we definitely expected to be to a top five club because if you have not watched the Danish Superliga, this guy is widely considered the best player in the league on one of the best teams. A Brazilian midfielder who really can do it all, can contribute with goals, provide passing in the middle of the park, and just be an engine for the team. And it's kind of shocking to see him go to the MLS. It seems like almost a step down, but clearly the MLS is going to be a bigger and bigger market for players yeah. and they're spending more money. Crazy to see this type of fee. I think it was close to 10 mil, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 10 million euros. That's big money for any MLS club to be spending on one player. I'm interested to see, like, is the plan in the front office of Portland just to be like, we have this talismanic figure for the long haul? Yeah. Or... We'd be happy with that, but also they expect to sell him back to Europe for 20, 25. I mean, we don't see as many outbound transfers in that amount, but I think he's absolutely going to light up MLS. Oh, for sure. He'll be one of the best players in MLS, without a doubt. But yeah, I guess he is 25. So if you're going to keep him for, let's say, a couple years, he tears it up in the league, which we expect him to. Well, a European club really come shopping in the MLS for a 27-year-old Brazilian midfielder who who might be way above the level of MLS, but when they're trying to splash 30 mil plus, they're trying to get like a 21-year-old, not necessarily a 25, 26, 27-year-old. So it feels like it's more for the long haul, and he just might be the best player in MLS for the next few years. And that's not bad for the MLS because I think I've been starting to understand more and more what their role is in the worldwide transfer market from the players I've seen them bring in. You see players pop just from a statistical goal, assists, XG, XA output perspective. But then you see the age and you're like, they're three to five years older than I'd like them to be usually. Like, for example, Dante Van Zier, who with Dennis Undav, those two teamed up for the historic Cinderella run for USG in Belgium. But Van Zier, a number 10 with a lot of creative production, he's a little undersized, but he's like 26, 27. If he was 21, he'd be a no-brainer to move to a bigger European club. But he's obviously got a ton of talent, forged in a European technical way of football. And I saw him rumored to go to New York Red Bulls for probably around 8 to 10 million euros. So he'll be another really strong player. But that's kind of the profile I've seen when bringing players from Europe. But this seems to really bring that age down a bit, right? Because even at 24, 25, we thought Evander still had potential. To be at one of the top clubs, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, interesting from the player perspective too because I get uh, how maybe like a New York Red Bulls could be appealing, but he's moving to Portland. Hopefully he doesn't think wherever I go in America, I want to live in the downtown area because yeah. I don't think there's as much homelessness in rural Denmark. The 13th biggest city, I believe, in an already small country with great health care. It'll be He's a culture in for shock. A shock. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a culture shock for sure. Yeah, interesting choice if you have the pick of the litter in MLS to choose the Portland Timbers. But I guess they're a solid team. Yeah, maybe he's just an absolute fiend for craft beer and he thought it was Portland, Maine. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I'll say on the MLS as a whole here, realize we've sung their praises, but I'm going to try to be the adult in the room here for the MLS American stands on Twitter because I saw frankly some despicably ignorant tweets on the internet. Andreas Shelderup, prodigious player right now, excelling for FC Nordjylland, right? The right to dream owned club in Denmark. 
He's rumored to get moved to one of the best feeder clubs right now in all of Europe, Benfica, for like 10 to 12 million euros. 17 years old. And Benfica are a club that sell players for 50 plus. To the top clubs. To the best of the best. But I saw Americans being like, come on, MLS. This is a price in our range. Why don't we go get this kid? That's not how it fucking works, all right? You can go get some fringe young European players, maybe... You know, one, for example, Stipe Buke, I think, signed for LAFC, like a 20-year-old winger from the second or third best team in Croatia. That's someone you can bring in for three to five million euros. Sure. Who might move to a bigger club. But you're not going to bring an obvious candidate for the top of European leagues to come make a pit stop in the MLS because, yeah, that's best for my career. Yeah. Shoulder up, like Evander, is also like a top three player in the Danish league, but... In his case, he's 19 years old, you know? So he's, he's going to the top. I think he might be even younger, which is crazy. Like 17. He might be 18. Yeah, yeah, he might be 18. But even though maybe his idol was David Beckham, he's not coming to enter Miami just to meet David Beckham, just to go back to Europe. No, he's going to Benfica and then one of the five biggest clubs in the world. Precisely. So slow your roll, Americans. We're starting to get down a little bit more with the MLS. I love when I see the Americans on Twitter like, oh, we should like just trade for this player. And then then you get the Brits coming in like, there's no trading. Stupid Yanks. Yeah. We're trying, Brits. We're We're trying trying. our best. Let us deal with our own people in house. Yes. Yeah. Please, no commentary from the outside. But that's all we have on MLS. Great moves. Excited to see what else they do in the January window. Let's wrap up with a few other shouts that we've seen that are close to our heart. Starting with Yurasur. Did you see him get a move? Yes, our favorite winger, Nigerian, plays for Slavia Prague. I believe he's 20, 21, something yep. like that. But he got signed, I believe it was only like a year ago, right? January, in, in January. 21st of yeah. 2022. So less than a year ago, he got signed from another club in the Czech League, like Slavia do, poaching from the bottom of the league, for a nominal fee around a mil, which is like, you know, at their top end, but... They're usually shopping in the 500K to 2 mil category. Yep. And they're instantly selling him on a year later for 6.5 mil after he, you know, impressed in the conference league, impressed in the league against, you know, some pretty solid teams, some obviously not so great teams in the Czech league. But he seems pretty special already at 21, incredibly fast. He's an exciting player. I ran some quick numbers here. Um, so they bought him, as you said, 1.2 million euros, January 1st, 2022, and they sold him for six and a half, January 1st, 2023. My Excel IRR calculation says that's a whopping 497% IRR, and that is a profit of 5 million alone that will fund all of their summer and probably leave a nice dividend to the owners who can continue gallivanting around Prague as they do. And if I know anything about our Slavia boys who have still yet to respond to our emails to them, even though we're their biggest fans in the world, they're going to insert a sell-on clause for our boy Eurosaur. They're getting a little 20% of the future sales. I have no doubt about that. Because if he impresses that gank, the pathway is kind of, you know, going to the Prem or the Bundesliga or Serie A to a big club after excelling in Belgium at a top club. Yeah, I'm really excited to see him slot into gank. Kevin De Bruyne's former club, they're trying to really protect the first place that they hold. Just got a crucial win over 
their co-challengers, Club Bruges. The combination of him and Mike Tresor, who's... Has what, like 30 assists this year? <laughs> something close to that. I think if you round up at this point, it's 100. So those two on either wing and his other Nigerian compatriot, Paul Onuwachu, six foot eight striker. They're going to be getting down the wing on the counter, crossing into him. It's going to be awesome because he can finish too, sore. Like he's pretty yep. lethal in front of net. I remember seeing a bunch of his finishes just bottom corner when he gets one on one with a keeper. And. that's going to be an exciting attack. we got to watch more of them. Really excited. Can only recommend to fellow ESPN Plus subscribers, got to be tuned into Gank because they're a fun watch. Did you want to close out with the World Cup darling, Azadine Unahi? Yeah, this is a rumor, not official yet, but Unahi, the 22-year-old Moroccan midfielder who really impressed in a outperforming but incredible Moroccan side at the World Cup, he played alongside Sofian Armabut, and Napoli are trying to sign him now for around 15 mil. And 15 to 20 mil feels just right for him. He would stay at Angers until the end of the season, so it would be like a loan back situation. So he's not going to be helping Napoli on their Scudetto push, but this is what they've been doing in the last 12 months, just signing enough players to have depth and signing players that are younger for the future. So if some of their stars do get picked off, They'll be fine because they have these guys coming through the systems. And he feels like a guy that could be a stellar midfielder in the next five years. Just thinking back in the limited time I've watched Napoli this season, most notably when they bashed Liverpool at home in Champions League, he seems like he'll slot in very well to how they play. Like The highlights in that game revealed like Napoli, really team-oriented, make the simple progressive pass in the midfield and get the ball forward wide to Cavaradona, but he's really going to fit that mold. Progressive, slashing, controls the ball in midfield. And and right, he sees that Cavara and the other members of that Napoli front line are going to get big moves. So yeah. from that perspective, it checks the box of career progression and opportunities. Yeah, and they play fast and attacking, and I think that's just going to fit them so well. Like, they're just the best attack in Europe right now. I think, like, no question about it. You know, maybe you could say Arsenal or Man City, but if you watch them on a week-in, week-out basis, they create an unbelievable amount of chance per game, and he's a great ball progressor, so I think he's just going to be perfect. Unahi alone could be the reason we stick along for a Paramount Plus subscription, but regardless, I think that kind of sums up everything we want to talk today. Did a couple club profiles, Brentford and Brighton, and then ran through, gave the MLS some flowers that they kind of deserve, maybe not. And then we got to shed some much-needed spotlight on Eurosor at Slavia Prague and Unahi, whom we love fervently. Consider this the first installation of our January transfer updates. Yep, we'll do a few more of these as more deals come in. This is kind of just the only things that have happened so far in the first week or so. But clubs are going to get active, and you can bet that Arsenal are going to splash some cash to try and make this drive to the title and the force of the world are going to get even more scared of their relegation. Oh yeah, it's about to be as active as a dance floor on Ibiza. Well said. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. A big year for faking injuries ahead of 2023. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.